Greetings program, hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, our movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 62. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my sparkling, effervescent, and insightful guest co-host, Chris Nyardi. Welcome, Chris. Pleased to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming back. It's wonderful to have you again. So let's see what happens in this minute. Flynn finally crash lands the recognizer in spectacular fashion, leaving <laughs> the the uh, the the, uh, the thing that we knew was ca- happening at some point in this sequence <laughs> finally happens. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was never going to regain control. This there, is there a, was no way this was going to be a a, a calm and collected uh, uh, landing. <laughs> no, this is the 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 last flight of this particular damaged vehicle. Yes. Flynn swoops low over the heads of some programs milling about at the bottom of the arena, making some data monks duck as he says, I think he says, here comes a headache, which uh, (laughs) I guess is another quippy, quippy quippersons. Probably another one that he just kind of, you know, came off the top of the dome. Just (laughs) yeah, let's just ramble. Just say some stuff. Yeah. Uh, He accidentally drives the recognizer off of like a Napoleon Dynamite style sweet jump. (laughs) <laughs> which is just a, just a wedge sitting out in the open in a way that I think he probably could have avoided. But, but it's uh, perfectly he, set up for a sweet jump. Perfectly set up for a sweet jump. Maybe that's where he is. He's in the, the sweet jump part. This is the recognizer training ground for like uh, cylinder forests and sweet jumps. Maybe. That's it, <laughs> that's yeah. <where> he's, <laughs> like a training vehicle that was discarded. Uh, but we do get to see the recognizer do that awesome wily coyote accordion squash thing again as mm-hmm. it like stretches out and comes back. This is just a very plain, you know, beautiful shot of that happening. And then Flynn, uh, Jeff Bridges, he full on screams, <laughs> and goes <laughs> goes full koala on the controls in yeah. like it just is. We're just going into a hundred percent slapstick here. He's swinging around the hourglass while Bit is like shouting, "No, no, 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 no!" So he's like, "I do like now- how they decided on this particular driving mechanism to fly this huge, chunky vehicle, a stick in the ground like a butter churn." <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's, I, I guess they really wanted to, you know, a control mechanism that was closer to a gaming thing. So a joystick, I guess, is the closest thing. To I think so, to. yeah. But yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know how uh, practical <laughs> a joystick no. for I thought something that moves in 3D space would yeah. work. Because <laughs> then you gotta, like, you also gotta keep your balance. Yeah. Like, you gotta pilot this thing while you're standing. And you gotta it can, put like, your whole body into it, is what it looks like. <laughs> and it can probably do, like, 360s and loops and stuff. I'm like, I, that's not gonna work if you're not strapped into a chair or yeah. something. So. Yeah. Like, you were able to control forward, back, maybe side to side. What about up and down or, like, turning around? Like, it's like... Yeah. I'm unclear on how this whole control system works. He he recognizes it. He's like, oh, this is like the old controls from Space Paranoid. So he... Yeah. This... The insinuation there is that this was an arc, a real-world arcade interface. Sure. The, the that, loose uh, thread to connect to the real-world <laughs> equivalent. Yeah, yeah. But now, now that we're going minute by minute, I'm starting to think about these logistics. So <laughs> yeah. I don't like, think the movie wanted me to think this much about the butter churn controls, but... <laughs> no. Like, I can't imagine this being in an arcade in the real world. No. Especially no. with that super wide, spinny bar on it. Like, that just sounds like a, an accident waiting to happen, so I don't... 
Was this? I don't know. I'm trying to think because the, the arcade game of Tron had a couple of different play styles or different like kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, had was, four. Did you ever control four. a recognizer in one? I'm not sure if you controlled a recognizer. From what I remember, there was a disc battle. I remember uh, the disc battle. I remember the light cycle. It was the light cycles. There was uh, shooting at the MCP. Yeah. Uh, getting the the like a breakout style. And like, I think there was one more. I think there was four different type of games. In there, yeah, you had to shoot. Oh, uh, you had to shoot at the grid bugs. Oh. Tons of grid bugs coming towards you. Yeah. And there might have been a tank battle. I went, I, went, familiar. Yeah. I went over it in detail a few minutes ago, but I don't remember the okay. exact Go back and listen now. to that episode, folks. Go back and listen <laughs> to that episode. But there were four there were four games, yeah, and I don't think any of them involved recognizer battles. So we're because they yeah. can't uh they can't shoot. Their right. pincers their pincers can if they can go low and spin a net between their pincers, mm-hmm. as you see in, in one of the later minutes with the solar sailor. But in um in there's a few scenes in the screenplay and the novel that aren't in the book where recognizers just take out, they just descend and take out programs oh, wow. by like stepping on them or else pincing them with the, their, their pincers move. That definitely uh, makes them seem a little bit more threatening because right now they're just big chunky uh, transportation. <laughs> yeah, vehicles. and they kind of they kind of end up becoming like the Keystone cops of the movie because they they don't they don't successfully catch anybody. No, yeah, they're not it's very that, offensive like, and not very defensive either. <laughs> they're just no, it's that wharf it's that wharf problem, right? Like if you uh, want to yeah. show, you know, you want to show that the aliens powerful by having them take out wharf. But then, if all you ever see is Worf being taken out, you're like, he's a really bad security chief. You know? I'm starting to doubt Worf. Is my, yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of the same with these guys. Their design is really malevolent. Their design is wonderful, but they always kind of in fail execution to... they just kind of awkwardly yeah, but... stumble around. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is how good the good guys are. Is that they can avoid the recognizers it's like yeah but can we see the recognizers successfully kill one person so i mean they don't look very aerodynamic but then again we're not technically in air so i guess we're in a a vacuum of some kind yeah so sure these these chunky things can go wherever (laughs) yeah yeah uh and now flynn is looking backwards into the cockpit and we can we can see out the front and he's about to drive off another cliff this yeah. is apparently he's in cliff town mm-hmm. he's in some sort of a valley or grand canyon type place inside the grid and the recognizer falls down another sort of uh, raked pit of amphitheater looking steps or like a low poly topographical map of a bowl or one of those like open pit mines with steps for the vehicles and the people one of those kind of kind of slopes kind of thing that's kind of what i like about the uh the architecture of this uh of this uh digital world i i i'm always kind of struggling to think okay what is supposed to be an allegory for a natural like nature-like structure and what's yeah. supposed to be an allegory for a man-made architecture structure yeah. uh yeah. they kind of blend into each other at certain points yeah and going through like the novelization and the screenplay they make it really clear Okay, now he's in the wilds. Yeah. You know, and now he's in an abandoned factory uh sector of town, you know, but And sometimes you can really tell, but when you're going like sometimes at this at, at this big uh, action sequence it's just like uh, okay, now we're back into like a a city because there's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, the the sort of you know, difference between natural outcropping and edge of a building. I can't really tell. 
yeah in a lot in a lot of these minutes you know so that's that's definitely something that they could have gone they could have gone gone different with there's a lot of detail paid to i think maybe it might come down to detail like a lot of the in-city backgrounds have like fuchsia stripes and blinking yellow lights and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff whereas this just is a bit just more blue. energy in them yeah. yeah and this just is blue so you're yeah. like okay so this is like sand this is like a a, a rock this yeah. is just something but the straight lines just it really uh, it doesn't yeah it doesn't help you differentiate between the two so let's see here oh flynn is panicking now and he's yelling i gotta stop this thing while clutching at the controls in desperation desperation as the cockpit yaws and sways and bit says Yes, and Flynn says, "I'm glad you agree." While while he struggles, now we're in more. full Jetsons mode. This is straight full up Jetsons. a George, George Jetson moment. <laughs> I almost want to hear that Jetson car sound. That you know, like yeah. The, yeah. And uh, from what I remember, no, nobody knows where that sound came from. Oh, really? The the Jetson sound, the, the, the Jetson the like ori- car sound. Yeah, yeah. I've I've listened to a couple of podcasts about the origins of it, and they're like, nobody knows. It's wow. been lost, lost to history of where where that sound effect actually came from. There's theories like, ah, oh, it was probably this, but <laughs> there's no there's no record of that sound designer, you know, writing down what. And he I guess did. like if they need to replicate, it, they like know what it sounds like and kind of replicate it. But the yeah. actual origin is lost to time. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and it, maybe it was like a like a broken pipe on the back of an air conditioner in that office or something. Right, a very know, like specific a, mal- malfunctioning right? thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's got that oscillation. So it might've been like a fan or, or, or maybe or, they got a car from the future. Who knows? Oh yeah. Who knows? That's right? also maybe. a theory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. So uh, the recognizer comes to the bottom of the arena and starts flying level, but it's headed straight for a giant cylinder that's just hanging out in the mm-hmm. middle of the bottom of the arena. And then in a very unexpected turn of events, <laughs> I remember in the theater going like, what? Uh, one side of the recognizer clips the cylinder and we see some new behavior. This is, I think, behavior number four. Yeah. Like uh, the first clip made a few blocks slide out on an axis and then slide back and then we're the, really throwing everything at the wall with how this thing works right <laughs> and then so this time when it clips the side the bottom the recognizer's bottom like five eighths just starts spinning around the center axis quickly with mm-hmm. uh like a delightful new noisy clang like somebody dropped a crowbar onto a cement floor that's like dang it dang 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 you know is it just starts spinning like crazy Mm -hmm. and flynn is hanging on for dear life but he's losing the battle for control this is not a battle that he's probably gonna gonna win here so the recognizer with its bottom two-thirds still twirling around the center axis is headed very quickly towards a wall oh no look out this is the end this is the end And then we get a super cool sequence where the recognizer gets chipped away by higher and higher walls, like it's colliding with massive steps, one stair at a time. Yeah, I I really like this. This is this is something that I remembered pretty vividly. I don't know why it sticks out to me so much, but like, it's probably the 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 best kind of way to end this uh, big. Uh, um, action sequence of, of yeah. just like because like as a kid you're thinking of like how it's break down to piece by piece and now you're like oh yeah now it, it really are like segmenting it <laughs> really piece are, by yeah. piece <laughs> yeah 
you know it's first the pincers get taken away and then the bottom layer and then the middle layer and then the layer just beneath the cockpit Mm -hmm. and now flynn is skidding along aghast eyes bugging out of his head as the cockpit is now sliding along the ground towards a somewhat crowded courtyard yeah (laughs) there are a lot of wall i'm like there are people and so he screams and miraculously misses the bystanders before hitting the wall, or at least that's what it uh, that's what it looks like. You can see a couple of uh, the programs getting out of the way with like a light jog, like nobody seems to be panicking. And yeah. the impact the the impact throws him through the front windshield where he lands awkwardly on his back, and I, this makes me think that landing on one's identity disc must be a pretty painful <laughs> experience. <laughs> You're like, oh no! Yeah. Oh my my frisbee! I fell on my frisbee. My frisbee you that know. tells me who I am. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah. I wonder if you break your identity disc. If that's like, I if you don't, forget if who you, you just are. die, like would if you that... just die or yeah. I know, like in the beginning, Sark says the punishment for losing your disc is de-resolution. I guess uh, maybe you could. Ex- These are all like the minute kind of like world-building details that they were like, we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out later and it's like oh there was no later you mm-hmm. know like so and i think really they like deal a little bit in, more into the identity discs in the uh tv show in uprising i need to rewatch it yeah. on disney plus yeah i gotta rewatch it too i know it's on disney plus not all of the episodes but most of the episodes for oh, some okay. reason there's like two episodes missing but and they brought back the voice of tron which is great they did yeah they sure did uh let's see here oh yeah and then uh, the windscreen of the recognizer activates now, coming into being as a glowing blue shield. But unfortunately, that traps Bit inside the recognizer. Mm-hmm. And that's the last we see of Bit, which is too bad. Uh, oh, I feel kind of bad for Bit, because this was his big reunion with what he thought was Clue. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I thought, like... I wonder what the could, idea was for... Because for, they could have easily kept him around for the rest of the movie. Uh, maybe it's just expense. Like maybe the thing expense, about yeah. Bit is all of his shots needed to be like overlaid. Yeah. Like he, I mean, he's he an animated go... character, so yeah. it just adds so another was, level of detail. Just, yeah, so that's something that I think they just were like, let's simplify this a little bit. And I don't know if he or had Or at least have him like show up at the end and being like, hey, you did it. <laughs> or yes. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I survived. Yes. Yeah. You know, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, just like a nice little, yeah. We had we had a good time with Bit. I feel this is an unceremonious way to, to have him exit the film. <laughs> yeah, it is really unceremonious, which is too bad. But I didn't I didn't mind it at the time because I thought that every cockpit came with a bit. That I would didn't, make sense. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't clock that this was a unique character. I didn't clock that this was the bit from the beginning of the film. But I could see where you would make that kind of connection. Totally. Yeah. Right. And uh, so that's what I thought that. And so, I, but I was thinking of like all these other shots of the interiors of the bad guys' tank cockpits, and I'm like, where are their bits? Right. You yeah. know, like how come there's only? And then, it, and then after reading the novelization and stuff, it's like, oh, bits unique. Bits mm-hmm. was something that was created especially for Clue. I was thinking it would be kind of cool to make Bit uh, one of the villains in Legacy. Like <laughs> some like. That would be interesting. He's, he's been bit. a. He's been abandoned, right? You know, yeah. so he's so he's still got the yes and the no, but now he's this all powerful judge, jury, and executioner. He's been given new powers Ooh. by Clue. 
So he's like the size of a satellite at the center of the courts, just saying yes, you know, or no. Yeah, to again, all a very, the cases. a very binary, a two face almost. Uh, yeah, <laughs> type of yeah. justice. Yeah, he's just handing out Drezes all over the place, you know, or or wow. he would be the he could be the main referee at the games or something like that, or yeah, yeah. Or now there's a billion bits, and each program has one as a pet, or I don't know, something like that. Now that, that you mentioned that, I'm getting kind of mad that they didn't include Bit and Legacy. Like there, there could have been a lot of things there that could have. Been... <laughs> it would have been a a really, I think, to make him the main bad guy would have been a Maybe really not the hard main bad guy, a hard reveal like, to pull off. Yeah, but something because they had like uh, in Legacy on Flynn's mantelpiece over his fireplace, they had some like bits sculptures. Oh, I didn't notice that. That he was kind of moving, looking with. So I think there was that was their that was their sort of. They threw a bone to all the bit fans in the. Yeah, that was their 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 bit Easter egg or whatever. Right. So Flynn stands up a little shakily, uh, shakily, and he's next to two purple-looking programs that look like Yori, and they're talking to each other, and two purple-hooded data monks talking Mm -hmm. to each other again, and all four of them totally ignore Flynn and the recognizer that apparently just about killed all of them. They're just hanging out. And the purple uh, uh, sort of woman programs are saying, if we do not break in five minutes, we'll... I hope that Yori, my next assignment is in quadrant four. I'm in quadrant three. Yeah, just just like small talk. Just small talk. <laughs> you know, just I, uh, small talk. This, this is what kind of... This, I remember this bugging me, being like, okay, are they... This is this is not a normal thing that just happened, right? No. <laughs> like this, this guy flew out of recognizer that was like taken away part by part and like and they just go along with their business. I'm like, are they are they like robots? Or is this <laughs> is this something that happens every day? Like it, it was an it was an odd choice to get them to act nonchalantly at this crash that just happened right next yeah. to them. Like, part of it might have been just logistics because they were all shot separately. I guess, yeah. And then comped in together. So maybe that would have been hard to do. The other thing that's made clear in the books is that this sector has had all of its energy leached away by the MCP. And the MCP has become this demonic uh, energy hog. And so it gives out, like, starvation rations to everybody that has been conquered except for his red elite like if you join his army then you get tons of power so he's got this which is why they freak out in the cave when they find that naturally occurring river of power as they're like whoa you know (laughs) soups on because they're they've been living on i guess if they're like really kind of out of it then yeah so that is that is not clear at all (laughs) it's not clear at all they're kind of like do you guys care at all like you just near like this is a huge vehicle that just crashed like a shooting star landed beside you and they're and like, like oh man i gotta go to work <laughs> lunch is at 11 30 yeah you know like cool. yeah all don't. right well <laughs> so then uh flynn says i guess sarcastically hmm this town is full of live ones yeah which i'm like i suppose i think the intent of the line is that everybody looks really strange and he's uh you know, impressed by their appearance, but I think it comes across as, wow, literally no one watched me crash and I'm 10 feet away from them. That's how I interpret it. Like nobody is reacting to me really not, I'm not fitting in at all. Like I, I am a, I am a stranger in a strange land and you guys are just totally ignoring me uh, and going about your business. Like, this is not almost like kind of Borg-like, almost in a way. Like, like a uh, bit. hey, anybody? 
at all, you know? Yeah. Well, that's uh, why I was thinking, like, is this, I mean, we know that programs don't act like this yeah. everywhere, so I'm like, why yeah. are they acting like this now? But, yeah. Uh, there's so much cool stuff you could do with this universe. One thing I liked in the uh, in the cartoon was that character Dyson, who was like a investigator. Yeah. And he he kind of had cheat codes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He was like, all right, let me just see how many footprints are in this area. And they would just, footprints would appear. And be like, oh, okay. They went that way. You know, all these kind of like, you know, code code cheats that I thought was really, really cool. I'd like to see more of that explored. Or, yeah, more, you know, more, of, more of the computer programming integrated into kind of like character archetypes of like a detective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because this movie kind of suffers from a similar thing that uh, Legacy does, is that Tron brings up all these really cool concepts, and then they just are like, but it's an action film, and now they have to, it's a race against time to get to the bad guy, and it's just Which I mean, I I recognize you do kind of have to have action, but like... You have to, yeah, you have to, right? And uh, and then, but then that Legacy kind of falls into that too, where... It's just a battle, which is which is which is yeah exactly something that you need for sure. But there's uh, there's more to it, you know. Like the color coding is something mm-hmm. you can just go bonkers with. You can do all kinds of stuff with the color coding, and so anyway. But that brings us to maybe my second favorite shot of the whole film, which we get next. And this is one of those like if you could put the '80s into a frame, this is maybe what you'd get, you know, kind mm-hmm. of kind of moments. It might have something to do with the hairstyle, but. Uh, in this moment, we get actual live ones, you know, yeah. air quotes, live ones. There's two women standing to the left. One is purple with orange light, and she's standing uh, hands on hips and legs wide in a bit of a power stance, like a bodyguard or something. And she has a helmet on. And then beside her is this thin woman program lounging on a pedestal, and she's eyeing Flynn. And she's sort of a gray with a glowing red energy. And she does not have a helmet. She has a fluffy, large, bouffant hairdo. Yeah, no, and a large updo. A large updo. And these backgrounds, this background is one of the most colorful in the film. It's got like purples, reds, greens, whites, yellows, violets, and they're all flashing like neon signs in Vegas. And it gives these two women sort of, I don't know, there, there's a vibe of uh, of sex workers going on there. There's a little me. bit of a dangerous vibe. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you know, and. Yeah, so like what do you, what do you what do you, what was your assumption? What was this uh what is this part of town? Right. Sort of it, look it like kind of like just for a brief moment also kind of reminds me of Blade Runner. Yeah, sure. This is Blade Runnery, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there are like another for another group a quartet of data monks in the background. But they look like they're hovering over a pit. <laughs> takes, Who knows what data like, monks get up to? Right? It's like the, the, the whole right half of the screen is this bottomless pit, and they're mm-hmm. just hanging out in the air. And there's this glittering cube display that's sort of shimmering in a, in a hypnotic way, in a way that's not really <laughs> present in a lot of the other uh, parts of the film. It's like what is that? Impossible... No, no time to wonder about it. Let's keep no, going. No t- <laughs> that's all right. That's mm, interesting. That's but anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those impossible... Uh, shapes. Mm-hmm. It looks almost like one of those impossible shapes that you'd give to like a, I don't know, like a Borg brain or something like that to shut them down. But I don't know what the monks are doing close to these glowing uh, red ladies. I'm just kind of like, what's so, what's <laughs> happening here? Are they, you know, 
trying to work up the courage to go over and talk to them. Or like, you go, Frank. No, no, you go. No, you go. I don't know what's what's happening there. The more we like, talk about the 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 uh, the plight of the data monks, the more I want a data monk spinoff. Uh, <laughs> now 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 it's going to be a comedy, is what it sounds like. It's going to be right. a Judd Epitau type comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the uh, what the insinuation. It brings up a lot of questions about this universe and like what services these programs provide. And you just summarized Tron. This raises further <laughs> questions. This raises further <laughs> questions. Yeah, you know, like the 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 universe seems to be pretty devoid of any kind of sensuality or mm-hmm. or anything like that. So the insinuation here, I don't know. I just want to know more. Like, what is this part of town? And that's something that they could explore in future future installments or something like that right but then we cut to uh flynn running down a hallway towards the camera and here you can see that black outline around uh somebody moving fast again that's something about these these cameras are so uh touchy um that if you if you're if you're moving at all then it then it blurs their depth of field is really shallow so they uh Mm -hmm. if you move at all then it blurs and that makes it really hard to take out the background without leaving a black line around uh, around the character so a lot of them a lot of the shots they're purposely standing still and not moving uh just so that they don't so that they make it easier for the compositors but what i mean you got to run sometimes and it's really really clear when you see them run you're like oh boy this is it's 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 a huge technical technological achievement but with pushing any boundaries you're going to see the seams like yeah yeah. trying something new doesn't isn't going to be perfect (laughs) yeah and then one of the cool things about this uh, we've we've talked a little bit about in earlier minutes is if you keep an eye out they were like when they were making the film they had a whole they had like a hundred boxes of film from kodak and the boxes were numbered chronologically from like one to a hundred and they were just grabbing any old box of film to uh, do a shot and then mm-hmm. to grab another random box of film to do a shot. And they'd miss the part where Kodak said, no, you have to use these boxes in order. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to see a jump in F-stops because it goes from an F-stop of whatever to an F-stop of whatever at box 100. That's just uh, something that's idiosyncratic to the production process. And if you do them in order, nobody's going to notice. Uh-huh. But if you do them haphazardly, then it's going to jump. So you'll see these shots where for you know, 30 second for like, or one second or for like 10 frames or something like that, they'll suddenly get like way brighter and then way darker again. Right. Right. And so they saw this in production and they were like, we can't use this. And it's like, well, we also can't reshoot it. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So what do we do now? And what they decided to do was, okay. In the background, the wall will suddenly pulse brighter oh that's clever or we'll have like a light in the background like stutter yeah and then they'll be we'll put a sound to it like did it or something like that and then that will be the reason why wow. they suddenly get lighter and it's sort of this byproduct of covering up this mistake that makes the world feel more alive yeah so it's, yeah that's uh, a really i really like that you can that's see really once... taking advantage of of uh not just the limitations but like uh a mistake essentially yeah it's 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 being in a computer world that they're making up they're able to kind of make this stuff up on the fly yeah uh, which provides so much creative uh backdoor thinking yeah 
which is right? so it's cool. A, yeah. One of those happy accidents, I guess, that the that Bob Ross talks about. Like, yeah, yeah. But once you once you once you got an eye out for it, you can see it happening all over the place, and it's just like, oh, there's another one. Oh, <laughs> there's another one. That's super cool. I, and and not to compare it too much to again reboot that we talked about last <laughs> time, but that was kind of the same mentality of like creating this computer world and like the limitations and how the characters moved. So they they came up with all these like different workarounds, like zip boards, yeah. which is the main way to get around, is a way to us not animate walk cycles all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, or like sure. hexadecimal is a character who just has masks. We don't have to do lip sync for this character. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. All that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So that takes us up to the end of minute sixty-two. I like to go over the differences between the screenplay and the novel. In the novel, the head of the recognizer bounces three times during the crash. It's like one, two, it's like spinning, and then it really comes to uh, to a crash. Right. And I, but we I, were already I, making the animators work so hard. So let's just, yeah, let's just, let's just <laughs> not do that. It's kind of sl- skids to a stop, and that's about it. Yeah, I wonder, because uh, when the tanks fire on the bikes, and the tanks destroy the bridge, and it sends Ram and Flynn flying, they go in also a big cloud of rubble big chunks big boulders of rubble go after them so i was wondering if they could maybe make a a a recognizer head box not a huge one not life-size but just the size of a a loaf of bread or whatever and then they could just uh throw that at Hmm. the set and then rotoscope it so but so it would look like uh like the head there but that would have been a pretty wild jump in motion quality from the earlier shots yeah, yeah. It would have been like CG, 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 real world, real world, real world. So maybe, uh, maybe that's why they, they didn't do it or think about it, or, or maybe they just thought it was good enough, or they were just their backs were against the wall and they're like, cut, print, looks great, go. Could be, yeah. It could be you any know. of those things. I, I think, yeah. uh, I think if they wanted to do a test of of switching the kind of techniques uh, at the end of this shot here, I, I think that's probably something that. If they thought of it, they would try it, and then if it didn't work, they'd be like, "Ah, it's good enough. Let's just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah." Other things are demanding our attention. Is this the yeah, most can... important part of the film? We have no. the rest okay. of the movie to finish. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does mention that there's a few programs milling around as Flynn leaves the crash site, but there's no mention of the two women or the data monks or the specific part of town. So, so who knows? Again, just right. a visual thing that's like we're left questioning more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird because that shot of him walking along with the orange lady and the red lady and the data monks, that's something that ended up in a lot of the publicity for the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- along with the like half transformed getting into the light cycle transformation sequence. And yeah. so like for something that was kind of a flag for the film, kind of a central showcase, it was not mentioned in the screenplay or the uh or the or the or the novel, so it's interesting. That was probably something that they just threw together. Yeah. Uh, some concept artist was like look at this and they're like yeah let's throw that in there looks great yeah uh in the screenplay it refers to low resolution programs that are sort of zombie-ish and can't Mm. really see or interact with flynn like they're sleepwalking which would account for the programs that aren't reacting to the recognizer that crashed like right beside them (laughs) you know yeah and i I feel like there could have been a better way to articulate that in the in the screenplay yeah they're just talking like normal people as opposed to like I, like if i think of somebody who's low res i'm thinking of somebody who's like moves visibly slower and talks visibly slower like yeah 
has a lag or has a, a glitchiness to them or something like that. Yeah. And then the the bit, yeah, the bit is saying stuff like no, uh never in a million years, ixnay, noper, under no conditions, and stuff like that. And he <laughs> he land, he doesn't get trapped in the in the in the canopy. He uh, he comes out with him. Oh, does he stick around so with them for? He he doesn't stick around for the rest of the film, but he sticks around for a few more scenes. Okay. So that's cool. But that's uh, that takes us to the end of the minute. There we are. There we are. So uh, that takes us to the end of minute 62. Um, yeah, you've already told people where they can find you. We'll go over that at the end of, uh, I think, the next minute. Um, if you want to talk to us, you can go to tronologicallyspeaking.com or drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. And then uh, shout out to pond5.com for the royalty-free music. And special thanks to Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very lovely community in my experience so far. Uh, Do you want to try a little end of line on three? Let's do it. All right. One, two, three. End End of of line. line. Ooh.